0: Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is a Sunday school lesson for Greater Gospel Temple and Inspiration of God Ministries. We're talking about religious robbers today, and our lesson is found in Matthew, the 23rd chapter, the 2nd through the 12th verses. And Mark the twelfth chapter, the thirty-eighth through the forty-fourth verses. And our focal scripture for today is the fortieth verse of Mark the twelfth chapter, which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. And this is the L. G. Parkhurst version of the Sunday school lesson, and it is Uh, based on the international Sunday school lesson. And so I will read the scripture for you, King James Version. Saying the scribes and the Pharisees, sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge their the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts, and the chief seats in the synagogues, at greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your Master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. That was Matthew. Mark twelve thirty eight 38-44 And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes, which love to go in long clothing, and love salutations in the marketplaces, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and the uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, these shall receive greater damnation. And Jesus said, and Jesus sat, excuse me, over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, That this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. That is our scripture that's Matthew, the 23rd chapter, the 2nd through the 12th verses. Mark, the 12th chapter, the 38th through the 44th verses. And we'll go into our lesson. And as I said, this is uh, L.G. Parkhurst version of... The Sunday School Lesson, which is based on the International Sunday School Lesson. You can uh, find the L.G. Parkhurst, Jr. uh, Lesson, along with other materials, at www.ouosu.com. Now we'll go into our commentary. Jesus declared that the scribes and Pharisees who sat in Moses' seat had been given the place of rightful authority over God's people as their rulers. Those who sat in Moses' seat were the rulers of the synagogue of our Sanhedrin. They maintained a religious government as they interpreted and applied the Jewish laws, which are the laws of Moses, over the Jews. Jesus did not teach his disciples to disregard or disrespect established human government, authority, or rulers. Jesus was not anti-government, whether religious or political. But as the Messiah, Jesus represented the kingdom of God, God's rightful government, authority, and rule over all, including over all human governments. The dictionary Definition of irony is the use of words to express something other than and especially the opposite of the literal meaning. Jesus may have been using irony and perhaps smiling to convey that irony when he said, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. If Jesus had not said what he said in those words, he could have been arrested for treason and for advocating disobedience to the law of Moses, which he came to fulfill. The context... And the totality of Jesus' teaching and practice must help us understand that Jesus would never tell anyone to disobey God just because a government or religious leader told them to do so. Jesus opposed lawlessness but jesus did not teach his disciples and the people to blindly obey whatever their leaders taught because sometimes they did not truly teach the law of moses when they truly taught the law of moses they were to be obeyed by the jews but jesus said these rules did not obey these rulers did not obey their own rules or the law of moses Jesus warned against following the bad example of those who accurately declare the law of God, but do not obey the law of God. To fully understand how Jesus was mainly condemning the hypocrisy hypocrisy of some leaders We must consider Jesus' practices and discussions with the Pharisees. Jesus would never want someone to disobey God or the Word of God to do what someone else wanted, even a religious or political leader. My God, this is so true. This is so true. Jesus did not obey the human traditions of the scribes and Pharisees, especially when these traditions set aside the law of God. Jesus taught, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And that's Luke the 11th chapter and the 28th verse. As the Messiah, who was the ruler over those who sat in Moses' seat, Jesus taught, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. That's John the 14th chapter and the 23rd verse. Furthermore, the disciples did not obey those who sat in Moses' seat when the Sanhedrin ordered them to disobey Jesus. With respect for their authority, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. And you can find that in Acts, the 5th chapter and the twenty-ninth verse. The heavy, cumbersome burdens included their interpretations of the law of Moses that made it more and more difficult for people to live or follow God rightly they did not make their rules easy to obey but hard to obey which gave them more authority over others they took unjust advantage of those under their authority they did not teach those they ruled over ruled over how to bear the burdens of their laws and rules or provide the means to bear their burdensome requirements they did not teach people how to have the spiritual power to obey God. They used their religious authority to demonstrate that they were superior to others, or so they thought, rather than help people obey God. Not willing to lift a finger indicates that these religious leaders were unwilling to do anything to help anyone. They ruled solely for their own selfish benefit, which is not an example that anyone should follow. Now those who sat in Moses' seat were high priests, Sanhedrin leaders, and leaders of the synagogues. These men sought these leadership positions not because they wanted to serve God and others and make the spiritual lives of others better or easier, Rather than do what they did to honor and please God in loving obedience, they wanted others to see them and honor them for their position and outward displays of religion, expressed by the articles they wore and not by the expression of their true character. Oh my God, this is so true. We see this today. We see this today. With their religious ornamentation, these religious leaders wanted people to look up to them as respectable religious authorities worthy of of absolute obedience. They wanted everyone to see how important they were, whether they were walking down the street, in the marketplace, at a party, or in the synagogue. They wanted the focus of attention to be on them. They did nothing to turn people's attention to the true God. Oh, that is so familiar today. Oh my God. These religious leaders wore large phylacteries, and this is. Uh, which were boxes with the law of Moses written down inside the box on their foreheads because they wanted people to see how important they were from a distance as they walked among the crowds. They did not wear their phylacteries to help them keep the law of God in mind because they loved God, but to show how important they thought they were. Rabbi means teacher. But no one in the Old Testament took that title upon themselves to convince others that they were important. The ecclesiastical title was probably invented by those who wanted others to revere them as teachers of the law of Moses and rulers over them. Jesus was speaking to both his disciples and the crowds. His disciples were not to aspire to the title of teacher or rabbi in order to be superior over others, but not to use the titles at all. Better not to use the titles at all, and I want to read that again. This is the Matthew twenty third chapter in the 8th verse. He said, But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And the commentary here says, Jesus was speaking to both his disciples and the crowds. His disciples were not to aspire to the title of teacher or rabbi in order to be superior over others, better not to use the titles at all. Jesus wanted his disciples to point people to him as the teacher because he spoke God's word and he taught by a perfect example, unlike the rabbis they knew. His disciples were to declare the truth about Jesus and be his witnesses. They were not to try to invent new ideas or teachings as so-called rabbis. They were not to teach anything contrary to or more than what Jesus Christ taught and revealed as the Son of God. The disciples were students of Jesus Christ who on the day of Pentecost were indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were to see one another as spiritual brothers and students of Jesus Christ, none of them was to seek supremacy over the others, and the crowds needed to know these truths about what to expect of Jesus' followers and from Jesus' followers in the church he was building. Thank you, God, for your word. Apart from genetic manipulations by experimenters, a father and mother are necessary and responsible for everyone's physical birth. Our Father in Heaven is necessary and responsible for our spiritual birth. A true believer in Jesus Christ may lead someone else to saving faith in Jesus Christ and help him to live the true Christian life as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I do want to read that again. Apart from genetic Manipulations by experimenters, a father and mother are necessary and responsible for everyone's physical birth. Our Father in heaven is necessary and responsible for our spiritual birth. A true believer in Jesus Christ may lead someone else to saving faith in Jesus Christ and help them live the true Christian life as a follower of Jesus Christ. We have sometimes called these people our spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. Still, only our Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, and the truth of Jesus Christ give Believers their spiritual new birth and bestow on them eternal life. Believers are never to give the credit to a human being for their new birth in Jesus Christ. In this sense, we are not to call anyone on earth father. However, this does not mean we cannot call our human parents father and mother. Quite often... Christian mothers and fathers help lead their children to love God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, but believers only have one Father in heaven. An instructor teaches practical life lessons or guides people in doing something as they learn something new or gain expertise. Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, is our instructor. No one is to try to take the place of Jesus Christ as our instructor. Jesus the Messiah as revealed in the scriptures must be our instructor if we are going to be his followers. He shows and gives detailed directions on how to live from the Bible and the Holy Spirit guides believers in the interpretation of the Bible. Jesus gives clear directions that as the Messiah, He is greater than those who sit in Moses' seat and He is to be obeyed as Messiah, teacher, and instructor. True believers are to point people to Jesus and not to themselves or others as the true infallible spiritual and religious authority over the whole human life. For convenience, we do call people teacher father and instructor, but we do not or should not put them in the place of God, our Heavenly Father, or of Jesus Christ, or of God's will and word for our lives. Unfortunately, some teachers, fathers, and instructors put themselves in the place of God and abuse or mislead many with their teaching. Oh my God, that is so true. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. This lesson is for all of us. So many people, so many people are fooled up. So many people are mistreated by these erroneous teachings and all of that, wanting people to worship them instead of God. My goodness. Whew. The greatest among them was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In his humility... He did not say directly to them, I am the greatest among you, and I will be your servant. Compare this verse to Luke, the 22nd chapter, and the 27th verse. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves." Jesus also said that those who serve him must follow him and his father will honor the ones who serve him. See John the 12th chapter the 26th verse. Whoever serves me must follow me and where I am my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. History has illustrated the truth of Jesus' teaching or prophecy in this verse which is and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted some in the herod family who reigned and exalted themselves before and after Jesus' birth and resurrection, were humbled and died sinfully in disgrace. A similar sad end came upon many who ruled Rome, who claimed to be sons of God, therefore gods themselves. The religious leaders who exalted themselves in Jesus' day are only remembered by name as famous uh, because in the Bible they were proud persecutors of Jesus, the Messiah, and his followers after Jesus rose from the dead. So I want to say this again. The religious leaders who exalted themselves in Jesus' day are only remembered by name as Famous, because in the Bible they were proud prosecutors of Jesus and the Mes- Jesus the Messiah and his followers after Jesus rose from the dead, so even in our own lifetime, some of those who have exalted themselves have been humbled for their disobedience to God. Jesus and his disciples, along with the apostle Paul and others. Humbled themselves. Over the past two thousand years, millions have exalted Jesus as Lord and Savior. They have read what his followers wrote in the Bible, and these facts prove the accuracy of Jesus' prediction, for he is truly Lord over all. Now we go into the Mark, the twelfth chapter, thirty eight through forty fourth verse commentary. Jesus probably had the opportunity to give this warning many times. And we can also see that in Luke, the 20th chapter, the 45th through the 21st. uh, uh, The 20th chapter, the 45th verse through the 21st chapter and the 4th verse. It's a parallel passage, okay? So the verse is, And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing, and love salutations in the marketplaces, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and the uppermost rooms at feasts. And that's we can see that in Matthew twenty-third chapter fifth through seventh verses for a parallel passage. Okay, so Jesus probably had the opportunity. To give this warning many times. The warning Jesus gave his followers included this idea. In your practice of your faith in me. Do not become like some religious leaders who practice their faith. To be seen and praised by others. Can you think of anybody like that? It's a sad thing but we can think of people like that. And we pray that we're not one of those. And if we suspect that we are, we should repent right now in the name of Jesus, okay? And ask Him to forgive us. Furthermore, a teacher who walks about to be noticed and treated with respect will not always teach the truth. They will not want to teach the full truth if they think they will lose the respect of those who hear them speak. They will often be crowd pleasers instead of God pleasers. Jesus described men. Who, after winning public approval for their religious religiosity and appearing to be exceptionally righteous, easily deceived and defrauded widows, he said, which devour widows' houses and, for a pretense, make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. That's Mark, the twelfth chapter and the fortieth verse, and that is our focal verse too. Okay. Perhaps after a husband died, these men went to a widow and offered her help only to devour her inheritance and home. With the crafty knowledge of the law, they defrauded widows in court. They made long prayers to impress others with their eloquence rather than to please God and truly intercede for the needs of others or for guidance to help the needy themselves. While they prayed, they may have plotted how they would make widows homeless. Such was the depth of their evil nature, which Jesus said would lead to severe punishment. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Just be right. Just be right in the sight of God. Jesus may have chosen this place to illustrate his teaching. You're talking about when jesus he sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many there were rich cast in much and so offerings were put into containers in the court of the women in the temple women could go no further into the temple than this court eleven containers in the court were for voluntary offerings two containers in the court were for the temple tax which was less than a shekel beyond paying their temple tax many rich people voluntarily put large amounts of money into the voluntary offering containers the bible does not say how much they are uh, how they became rich some but not all they have stolen their money from widows and made that made them homeless the reader is not told mark did not record or jesus did not comment on the motivation of those giving their voluntary offerings or paying the required temple tax and i want to uh interject here that i'm not i'm sure that all of these people were not uh, crooks and i don't believe all of them stole from widows and other people some i believe were legitimately rich like from their business or whatever they did i want to believe that and just like today there are people who have worked hard and earnest and honestly made their money and they are rich okay and they give like this but then what i understand exactly what Jesus is saying, because they had so much, they gave what they wanted to give, which was a big amount, and so I'm not talking about what Jesus said, I'm talking about the commentary part, it's what is saying, that the Bible does not say how they became rich, some, but not all, may have stolen, see he put that, but not all in there, see there, have stolen their money from widows, and made them homeless, because if, if, it would not have been mentioned if it wasn't important okay it would not have been mentioned about them fooling the widows and taking their uh, money but it said that they they're going to be punished people be careful be very careful okay Mark did not record or Jesus did not comment on the motivation of those giving their voluntary offerings or paying the required temple tax. Some have argued that Jesus felt angry and condemned the rich for putting in stolen money, but the Bible does not report that. Some say that Jesus did not commend the widow who gave because he did not offer any words of commendation or remark about her motive for her giving. These ideas are arguments from silence and therefore invalid. The Bible only reports a few things about this incident, which does open the door for much speculation. Mark simply does not tell us whether Jesus said any words of condemnation or condemnation in the court of the women. We are told that financially the rich gave large amounts and the poor widow gave a small amount. From the merely human point of view and materialistic measurements, the rich gave more than the poor widow. Jesus spoke from a divine and spiritual point of view that he wanted his followers to adopt. God considers what we have to give and our motivation for giving what we have to give. God does not penalize us if we do not have more to give financially or otherwise than possible for us to give. Notice, Jesus was speaking of voluntary giving. Jesus was not speaking about the compulsory tax that by law must be paid. Jesus paid his taxes. No Jew was compelled to put more money into the temple treasury than the temple tax required by law the offerings that the rich men and the poor widow gave were voluntary gifts not something they paid and it said that the widow gave what she had gave what she had and she gave it i believe she gave it from her heart some love the lord and give generously out of their wealth some love the lord and give generously out of their poverty In my opinion, this poor widow, this is the commentary, okay, and the commentator. In my opinion, this poor widow would not have given all she had out of her poverty if she had not had great love for God and great trust in God. If she gave all she had to live on out of her great love for God, that is commendable. Mark did not record her motivation, but from the way Jesus spoke about her, at least all that Mark reported about the situation, he must have thought that what she did was commendable. He knew that what she did was commendable. There's no thought about it. Okay? No thought about it. When Jesus came, he came and gave out of his great wealth. Jesus gave all he had for himself. Excuse me. Jesus gave all he had of himself because he loved God and those he came to save. Whether rich or poor, giving to the Lord from love and trust is commended by God. Using religion to steal from others will lead to punishment from God. And so many people, so many people, have been stolen from coerced into giving their money that they need bullied into giving their money misled thinking that god will punish them if they don't give the money that the leader told them to give i'm telling you it takes time and you have to learn this faith Faith, you have to have faith in God and let God guide you. That's why He tells us to study to show the self approved workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to study, we need to be consecrated. Study the word of God and get the understanding from God. And if you're studying the word and you don't understand, ask God to lead you or lead some Bible understanding spiritual person who is filled with the Spirit of God, to help you to understand the Word of God and to put it into context and take it like it is. Because so many of us have been bullied into giving money that we really could not afford to give. And I am definitely one of them. Decades ago, bullied into giving bill money and all of that. And I was even told one time, if you don't give this time, I'm going to make it hard for you the next time. I was told that. In the church house yes I was so I know I know about this and I ended up giving my bill money yes ma'am yes sir I know about this and you know what I learned from it and down through the years God has taught me I have learned To do what God requires. He requires that we pay our tithing and give a free will offering. He said we can give a free will offering. A tenth of your income. Your tithing. And then you can give a free will offering. Okay? And that's a free will. So that means you give it if you want to. Alright? Okay. So here are our questions for discussion and thinking further number one how did Jesus describe those who sat in Moses' seat number two why did Jesus say his disciples and followers should not be called rabbi number three what do you think Jesus meant when he said we should not call anyone on earth father number four why did Jesus say his disciples and followers should not be called instructors Number five, what are some lessons you learned about giving from the incident in the court of women? What are some lessons you learned? All right. Those are good questions. Good questions. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm 36 minutes and four seconds in. So I think I've been doing well on the time. Okay. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up. They devour our widows' houses, and for the sake of appearance, say long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation, Mark the 12th chapter and the 40th verse. Jesus sees into people's hearts, and see, we must know this, and we must remember this. God looks on the heart. He looks into the heart. Okay, people look on the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. Jesus sees into people's hearts, and he strongly condemns leaders who use their expertise in legal interpretation or religious matters to steal from others. We're talking about religious robbers. That is the the subject, that's the topic, that's the title of this lesson, religious robbers. And we have so many, so many. But let's make sure that we're not a religious robber, Okay. Jesus said, they do everything to impress and lead people to trust in them. They like to sit in seats of honor and be greeted with respect, but they are hypocrites. Jesus warned his followers to watch out for such people lest they deceive them. Those who refuse to heed Jesus' warning should not blame God if some religious leaders rob them. Jesus especially condemned those who used their understanding of the law to steal the homes of poor widows, leaving them destitute and homeless. Jesus promised that God would hold these thieves especially accountable for their sins. To help people turn from this temptation, Jesus warned that such thieves Would be especially condemned by God. In Jesus' day, and perhaps in some religious establishments today, robbing people in a place of worship became so pervasive that Jesus drove out the money changers from the temple with a whip, showing how seriously God considers this sin. Those stealing in the temple received a greater condemnation, as will those who devour widows' houses. Jesus has not changed the law of love. Those who practice their religion for the sake of appearance while they take unjust advantage of others will be justly condemned by God. God's concern for the most needy among us led James to tell believers, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. That's James, the first chapter, and the 27th verse. And this is the L.G. Parkhurst, Jr. version of the Sunday School Lesson, www.ouosu.com And now we're at the part where... I am extending an invitation for you to repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I extended this invitation because I accepted the invitation one day. And I am so thankful to God that I did accept the invitation. If you repeat after me within a few seconds, you'll be forgiven and you'll be saved from your sins and you will be a recipient of eternal life. That means that if you accept and repent of your sins, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and live a saved and sanctified life, then you will make it into the kingdom of God and live there throughout eternity, which will never, never end, okay? Hell will not be your home. You will have eternal life instead of eternal damnation. And I admonish you right now to accept the invitation that I am going to extend to you in the name of our Lord God and our Savior Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. They all make one. Alright? So just repeat after me, please. Even if you don't want to, please repeat after me. Because within a, a microsecond, a millisecond, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. You'll be saved. Repeat after me, please. Dear God, I repent of my sins. And I ask you, in the name of Jesus... To forgive me of my sins. And I do accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And that is A-C-C-E-P-T. I do accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Amen. And it's a done deal. You are saved now. And so I want to tell you, Greater Gospel Temple is available. We're virtual. But you will assemble right on the web and we can meet face to face and you can be a part of Greater Gospel Temple Church of Praise and Worship and I would love to have you to be a part of us. Then if you choose not to become a part of Greater Gospel Temple and you might already be in a uh, church and a fellowship that has a sanctified leader. And if you are, I believe with all my heart that that's where God wants you to be. So what you need to do is just buckle down, stay there, be faithful, and learn the Word of God. Learn to live a saved and a sanctified life. And I know that some who are are listening to me have probably I've been saved before and did backslide. But now, if you did that prayer, you're back in the fold again. And you have eternal life. You will, oh my God, you will wake up if God should uh, let it be that you would die a, a death here in the world. And you are saved. You will rise when he comes back for us. You will rise the dead in Christ shall rise first and then those of us who remain if I don't die a natural death those of us who remain we will be changed from mortal to immortal and we will be caught up to meet him we'll all go up together and go with Jesus Christ, hallelujah! You're saved now, you're saved now, I love you so much, I love you so much. you can reach me at g g t church six six at yahoo dot com You can call me and please leave a message at four six nine six two nine nine five four three and that's if you need to talk about something. And even, uh, you know, we can meet online in private if you need to talk about something. If you need spiritual help. If you need counseling, I am a certified counselor. And whatever, whatever you have might have problems with or whatever, you can call me. You can email me. And I would also like to invite you to go to S Polk Radio on uh, citrus dot citrus three dot com. Listen to the radio station. Also, I would like for you you can go online and just type in Evangelist Shirley Polk, Evangelist Shirley Polk Davis, Miss Shirley Polk, and my music will come up. I have music on each one of those names and you will enjoy it so much I love you so much and I pray and trust that you will stay in the will of God and I know that God will keep you if you're in his will and he even keeps those who are not in his will he loves us so much but being saved is what you need to be in order to make it into the kingdom of God I love you This is a Sunday school lesson for March 6th, 2022.